media for beautiful food and inspiration.
everyone. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show almost every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific uh, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Also uh, simulcasting to other places that do not matter. Except, of course, our Icecast. That's eplex.xyz. That does matter. Um, you can support this project a lot of different ways. Uh, just go to echoplexmedia.com. Click that support tab. Of course, our favorite is uh, buying merch at the merch shop. We have a brand new down ballot logo and a brand new down ballot shirt there. So you can always use the code NOWSPACE, all caps, to get a discount on stuff in there. I'm producer Dave, and uh, they convinced me to join Threads by uh, hounding me on Instagram every time I logged in. So uh, I don't know. Uh, find me there. Nice. What's your handle? Uh, same as my Instagram handle. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, hey. Uh Good to see everyone and hear everyone and be with everyone out there. This is the councilman, as always, with producer Dave. You can find me on X or Twitter or whatever F they call it now uh, at T H E underscore councilman. Uh, occasionally, I get a little spicy in there, but for the most part, it's just updates about the show. So, if you want to know, like producer Dave said, if we're not doing a show on Tuesday like we did last week, um, usually I post something about it. Although I don't think I did that last week, so you're probably tuned in like what the hell is this public comment shit all about um but uh i believe you were in some uh, some shasta county business last week yeah they do they well. do a few night meetings a year and that's always on tuesday so that'll always interrupt uh down ballot it was uh it was it was something well that, that that's right. for sure i had, was I had there a, anything I agenda did, they got this oh i had the i had the internet go down for a non-insignificant amount of time so uh our studio uh up in uh up by lodi actually uh took the first hour hour and a half of the broadcasting and then we tried to switch over and something weird happened where uh youtube went up facebook went up everything went up but twitch it said that we were live but it was just a blank screen and then everyone in the chat just kind of stuck around and talked about how the void is their new religion and uh, <laughs> we eventually got it fixed yeah see the, the people somebody in the chat right there is like the void was awesome see we could uh so we have them we have them they'll, they'll stick around and watch an empty screen right right uh, uh, not a cult devoted. not a cult no definitely not <laughs> rational human beings who've just decided that we are indeed the ninth best local news podcast in uh, california uh that's so, correct according to some dude speaking of the news what do we have for leading off well um interesting things happen when top of the ballot comes down ballot um is everyone who's regular uh listener and viewer of this program knows uh, we tend to look more at uh, the hyper local issues here in and around santa clara county um but we love it when the national touches on the local and our former fda slash california attorney general now vice president uh kamala harris came to visit the bay area and san jose specifically to talk about reproductive freedoms but uh, some folks had different ideas about what they wanted to talk about so we're going to hear more about that from nbc Protecting reproductive rights. Vice President Kamala Harris brought that message today to San Jose. But as NBC Barry's Marion Favreau explains, protesters repeatedly interrupted the event to demand the vice president turn her attention to Gaza. During her talk, at least four different times, she was shouted down by protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. But the vice president remained focused on talking about the importance of reproductive rights. Several hundred people gathered at San Jose's Mexican Heritage Plaza today to hear Vice President Kamala Harris talk. Her message? Ever since Roe versus Wade was overturned in 2022, fighting for reproductive freedom is more important than ever. 
to fight back against laws that are criminalizing health care providers and making women suffer in our country. She touted California as a model for protecting women's rights, but also focused on a handful of states that have now banned abortion, even in the case of rape. One does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. But at least four times during her talk, the vice president was shouted down by protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Each time, the demonstrators were escorted out, and Harris continued. When I see her, I am empowered to do more. U.S. Senator LaFonza Butler says while California has created new laws protecting reproductive rights, more must be done. Here we are in a moment where we are, there are those who would have us to pass on something that is less than. And I don't know about you, California, but I am not interested in my daughter or, or America's daughters having less than. Harris also reminded voters their choice for president at the ballot box in November could be a huge factor in the future of women's reproductive freedoms. After the vice president finished her talk here, she headed to a campaign fundraiser in Los Gatos. In San Jose, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. Oh, she went to Los Gatos to raise money after that, you say? Oh, yeah, speaking to the people on the east side and then raising money on the west side. That's how you do. Um, I mean, at least she, she did a speech in a public event, honestly. Uh, usually the Bay Area and California, at least for Democrats, is treated as a, just fundraising you know, piggy bank. Um, so usually it's just the fundraisers. Um, so it's great that she did the public event. Um, the good wife got to go and was in attendance. She was not one of the people shouting her down, um, although she, on any other day, might have done that. Um, it was actually a couple of, uh, included as a couple of elected officials who were part of that uh, cohort that was disrupting the event or attempting to disrupt the event. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, but not, not much to say beyond uh, it, it's great to see us getting any attention at all uh, from the national campaign scene simply because California tends not to matter when it comes to at least the presidential campaigns. I would just point out that the people uh, uh, protesting about Gaza, I should have pointed out that there are uh, women in Gaza as well. Yes, very much so, and women and children, and and women carrying children who, uh, yeah, who have healthcare needs of their own. Um, so, uh, yeah, whatever you think about any of it, uh, it's what it is, and this is what happened here in San Jose. I would love to know where he was in Los Gatos for that that uh, fundraiser. Was it at Party Mom's house or? Oh, I hope so. I mean, it seems like that's the place to be. Right, got to watch out though. You know, don't want to be photographed doing anything toward well i mean somebody lives in that house now right it's got got to well she probably has to sell it at some point to pay her legal fees oh i i bet that's poor, long past poor party mom anyway we're gonna move on to winners and losers uh where there are no mm-hmm. winners and our first story is about uh that we actually had a pretty significant they called it what is that a fucking uh, something river uh, an atmospheric river that came across right us. And, I was uh, going to say a stratospheric lake or something, but and uh, there was uh, rain and wind and uh, knocked out power for a lot of people. And uh, interestingly enough, it knocked out power for people like uh, less than thirty days after PG and E jacked up everybody's rates. So people <laughs> people are pissed. <laughs> if you can imagine, yeah, the timing was timing by Mother Nature was not good. 
Anyway, let's see what uh, Fox 2 has to say about it. Guess who, by the way? Those outages and how they're affecting people in San Jose, thousands of residents still in the dark tonight and doing what they can to stay warm. KTVU South Bay reporter LaMonica Peters picks up our team coverage now from the Willow Glen neighborhood. LaMonica. Julie, I'm at the intersection of Willow Street and Lincoln Avenue, and the street lights are off here. The traffic lights are off, and most of this neighborhood is still in the dark. People say they're trying to manage, but they didn't expect to still be without power a day after the storm. It's already about 59 in the house. We have a thermometer. It's about 59 degrees. It's just going to get colder tonight. As crews move from neighborhood to neighborhood to clean up debris, fallen trees, and repair downed power lines, those without power say staying warm is a top priority. Willow Glenn says although PG&E is working near his home, he still has no idea when the power will return. The big question nobody can tell me with PG&E can tell me is once this pulls in, which they're telling me will happen tonight, once this pulls in, Nobody can tell me whether we'll have power coming into this. This convenience store on Lincoln is using a generator for now to keep its doors open for business. Robin Levine says she's lived in Willow Glen for nearly 50 years and has never been without power for an extended period. When you pulled up, I was in my car charging my phone so I can be um, in contact with whatever. Most importantly, I want to know from PG&E when are we going to be getting power? PG&E's website says it takes at least 24 hours before it can estimate when power will be restored. It says the largest outages are responded to first, so the largest number of customers have their power restored. But in the meantime, people say they're going to do what they can to stay safe and to help each other out. My friend lives right here where the tree fell, and he just had open-heart surgery. So I'm helping him and I'm helping the neighborhood and, you know, I mean, just do my part. Now, some of the residents also told me that they didn't realize how much they relied on power in their daily lives until they didn't have it. So hopefully the power will be restored sooner rather than later. Julie? Yeah, and it is chilly out there tonight. All right, LaMonica, thank you. Because, like, it's 59, we're all going to die. Yeah, <laughs> and that's his house, right? Like, <laughs> he's not one of the folks that's living by the by the creeks that are literally overflowing in the freezing cold. Um, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, getting to see uh, city council candidate Michael Mulcahy's campaign office right there at Lincoln and Willow, like completely pitch black and not able to do their business either in the middle of campaign season as ballots are coming out. So uh, that's a rough one. So but, uh, it's actually not that hard to keep your house warm. Like when it, it's not that cold, just close everything up. And like you saw those people with candles and stuff, people don't realize you put a few candles in each room and keep, keep like all the doors closed and stuff. You're, you'll heat the place yeah. up. You'll, you'll keep it. It'll be, it's not like your central heating, but you'll, you'll, you'll be all right. Yeah. If you have decent, you know, insulation to begin with, like our house, not unfortunately, but uh, yeah, if you have, you know, Moderate insulation, you'll be fine. Light, light a few candles. Oh, I'll, I'll even endorse breaking the law. Light a fire in your fireplace. You got one. Right? Just you know, do your thing. Do go back. Go back to the old school. Um, and yeah, for the, those of you out there who don't realize how much we rely on electricity, 
just think about it for like five seconds, right? Uh, or, or just in, in really in that five seconds, you'll probably, you know, be surrounded by five or 10 things that require power, right? Especially right now, it's after dark. We wouldn't be, I mean, we wouldn't be on the internet. We wouldn't have light. There's so many things that are happening now that require electricity um, just to bring this show to you. So think about that. Later. So Comcast is actually doing a smart thing. It's not rolled out everywhere and it's not available to me, but one of the things that mm. they're, that they're doing is um some of the uh the the cable modems essentially are the gateways they're <clears throat> they're going to be available soon that they have a 5g connection in them where if the power and the, the power goes out causing the internet to go out all you need is like a little battery pack and you can plug that in and it'll connect to the to like a 5g network and you, your house still have wi-fi for as long as your uh, batteries last so pretty Ooh, cool nice there you go well uh if all else fails, listener, you know you, we will bring you Echo Plus Media programming. It will be it will come be come to you. Oh, I would have I would have internet. I would have no way to power everything else in here. Fuck that. There'd be absolutely oh, then we'd no be way. Fucked. Yeah, there'd be no way to power. Well, I could. There's a few gen. There's actually a few generators here. I could run a, I run a cable through the. I, I I would rather not do that. If the power was out, okay. I wouldn't like be like, hey, we need to turn on a generator so I can do my Twitch show. Oh, maybe I would yeah, so because that, I, at that point, I, I, I do fucking need the money. So, <laughs> but we're at that point. We're kind of just kicking back and drinking a beverage until she comes back, right? Did you lose power? Uh, um, no. Well, briefly, actually, yesterday, very briefly, maybe a half an hour, and we had to frantically pack and decide what we wanted to do because we had the the baby. Obviously, we all we both have work that we need to work uh, to get done, and the mobile hotspot on your phone only lasts so long. So, uh. We lost for about a half hour, but it came back on. I'm guessing they had to switch us off to switch other people on, or at least I hope that's what the case was. Um, we didn't get much of a warning and barely a notification, but my uh, my maternal unit still resides in Willow Glen, um, and her power was out for a good 24 hours, but um, came on at midnight last night. She we didn't get it we, back. We must it's have, like, melted. at one point in the middle of the night, because the, like, the, you only know because the, the, oven in the microwave or flashing the microwave yeah clock it off exactly um we also have some other like water pumps and things that are on timers so i have to go and make sure all those are reset every time the power goes out i want to go off at random at times all right what do we got um, next anyway but yes well next next up i don't know a whole lot about this i just thought it was very interesting seeing people march with eyeballs and picket signs so uh, this is some optometrists at UCSF who are on strike because management just doesn't see the light. Well, happening now, UCSF optometrists and supporters are on the picket lines. They're calling out the University of California. NBC Bay Area's Ginger Cutahero Saab, live for us in San Francisco this midday. And Ginger, those on the picket lines, they're actually joined by other campuses or people from other campuses across the state, right? That is correct, Marcus and Laura. They expect similar scenes to this at UC Davis uh, and also down in Southern California with UCLA and UC San Diego. Now, it's important to know that those picketing this morning are calling out the University of California for unfair labor practices, meaning this differs from a compensation strike, for example. The union representing these optometrists are calling out the UC, the University of California, for their conduct during contract negotiations. And at the heart of those negotiations is the addition of 80 optometrists to the healthcare professionals unit. Those striking say they are fighting for a fair contract 
that will attract and retain optometrists. Now, instead, they allege the University of California has been acting in bad faith during bargaining and has violated state labor law in the process. We don't want to be out here. We'd rather be in our clinic, just the block over, seeing our patients. Um, but unfortunately, this is this is the position that we're put in. Um, and our ultimate goal is that this is actually going to benefit patient care in the long run. Now, in response to that unfair labor practice charge filed by the union against the University of California, the UC says in part, quote, the parties will not begin bargaining the terms and conditions of the CBA until this summer. However, we are currently bargaining the addition of approximately 80 optometrists to the UPTE unit. That is the healthcare professionals unit that I just mentioned. Now, the uh, UC also continues on to say uh, that uh, they value the critical services provided by uh, optometrists to the patients across the system. Now, the university says they have reached a tentative agreement on some issues, such as compensation, but they are disappointed in the expected two-day strike that we see happening. Now, last Friday, in response, the University of California also filed an unfair labor practice charge against the union. So if you may have or if you do have uh, an eye appointment, an ap uh, appointment with your optometrist, you can uh, you can expect to uh, have some disruptions. And if you do, then you will be individually notified. So watch out for those. Marcus and Laura. Somebody in chat's like, well, you don't see optometrists uh, striking very often. And I'm like, there's a joke in there somewhere. That's sort of where I was, you know, I think going forward with this whole thing. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but it's a, it's a foggy situation. Hopefully, they, they'll be able to see through it and and uh, find find the vision to uh, come to an agreement in some sort of collaborative fashion. Um, I have to point out, I, I'm really sorry for anyone who's watching live uh, and has ocular phobia, um, which is a fear of I think eyeballs. Um, it's a real thing. <laughs> so sorry about that. We should have I should have warned you off. The <laughs> I guess I did, but I should have warned you specifically off the top that it might be traumatizing to watch that video. So I hope you're not uh, writhing on the floor in pain um, and able to watch the rest of the, of the stream. Hopefully someone has a clear vision for how to solve the uh, potential labor dispute. I hope they will see the light. <laughs> God, all right, we got to stop. We got to move it, on. It, to the... You know, but, 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 you know, hindsight is 2020. So. Oh, we got We got to move on to the fucking next story. Absolutely. We got to oh, stop. Oh, shit. No more puns. Neither of us are that funny. We have to stop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. Let's talk about burgers. Yeah. Uh, an in and out in Oakland uh, is closing due to apparently uh, crimes. In and out Burger plans to close its only restaurant in Oakland because of crime in that area. The burger chain released a statement saying the restaurant near the Oakland airport will be closing March 24th. The statement says despite taking repeated actions to make things safer for customers and employees, they're still regularly the victims of car break-ins, property damage, thefts, and armed robberies. Now, the company's statement also said, quote, this location remains a busy and profitable one for the company, but our top priority must be the safety and well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit or work in an unsafe environment. The company also said that all employees will be offered either a transfer to another in and out location or offered severance pay. Well, I don't know. That kind of sucks. 
Yeah, I mean, it sucks for everyone who loves good burger in Oakland, um, or at least loves in out. Uh, it definitely sucks for those employees. Oh, there, are places, no to get, to... there are places to get a, a better burger in Oakland. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's it's more just a it's it's in and out in in and of itself. I think there's a there's a vibe that people can go for to there as well. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, in and out's one of those few burger chains that actually owns centrally still. Uh, they're not franchised, so that was a corporate decision uh, to do that. Interesting that they point out that it's profitable, right, and that they're making money off of it, but they're going to close it. Um, I don't know if this is like just them buying into Doom Loop or if this is legit like you saw some of the video there but i don't know you know it's all anecdotal i don't know if they're actually experiencing that kind of crimes um but you know more more than likely it's a bit of both reality and fiction and then uh, just recently denny's also decided in the same area by, by the coliseum there that they're going to be shutting down and moving out of the area so uh denny's in, in, in and out to industry standards uh t- taken out you know taken off from oaktown uh the Raiders, the Warriors, the A's, and now our, our food. I'm actually so, surprised Oakland. that uh, Denny's over there off of Hagenberger surprised, uh, survived uh, the home base days, Oakland International Trade Center, when there 30,000 people would defend, descend on that place and do a lot of molly and dance until like fucking seven in the morning. And then all of a sudden the Denny's was like a fucking like a zombie movie. I'm surprised it <laughs> survived that, honestly. Well, they maybe they had a lot of discretionary income, and they were able to you know spend and keep it afloat, buying moons over Miami and not eating it, right, and just staring <laughs> at it. <laughs> you ever done that? Oh, been been God, there, yeah. been there, super high. Like uh, it, it sounded like a good idea, <laughs> and then you're looking at it, and it's like uh, it didn't look like the picture. <laughs> oh, man, moons uh, over Miami memories. is like the only thing worth eating at uh, Denny's. It, it's it's so much fun to order too. It is. I always said it with such conviction. I, you know, you saw some people. Yeah, moons over Miami. You got to have conviction. So I have the moons over Miami. So apparently, uh, the second worst re- worst uh, set of tourists, other than like the people that go to the tech conventions, are the drug tourists in San Francisco. And uh, we got a little story about that. Former cop turned San San Francisco supervisor is probably going to tell you lies about drug tourism. Maybe. Francisco supervisor wants okay, yeah. to know if his city has become a hotspot for drug tourism. And as NBC Bay Area's Christy Smith explains, he's now calling on the city to find a method for answering that question and tracking the results over time. I think we owe it to San Franciscans and taxpayers generally. Supervisor Matt Dorsey says it's time for the city to commission a report that digs into a growing perception about San Francisco. Over the years, San Francisco has had a reputation for being a destination city for what's so-called drug tourism or for fairly generous uh, benefits um, for general assistance. Um, often, sometimes That's not tourism. That's now you're down, now you're talking about moving there. It's a destination city because of permissive policies around drugs. The supervisor has now sent a letter to the city controller asking for an analysis and a method to track the issue without identifying those so-called drug tourists. I wanted to identify populations that are implicated in San Francisco's ongoing drug crisis um, and also recipients of public assistance here um, the, among the adult population. And um, find out how long have they been here. Dorsey says it's important to figure out what's true and whether there are trackable patterns in the problem. We owe to our taxpayers 
to make sure that the services we provide as part of a social safety net that's worthy of being the city of St. Francis is something that is for residents of the city of St. Francis. We can't be the social safety net for the Western United States. Um, and we have to have a clear-eyed view of what we're incentivizing. We're really concerned about all of the individuals who are affected by the overdose crises, and they, they all deserve uh, real solutions. Jennifer Friedenbach is executive director of the Coalition on Homelessness and says the focus needs to be on treatment, not tracking. You know, we need, we need serious response. Um, we have half of people trying to get treatment today in San Francisco are getting turned away. You know, in addition, you know, looking into home addresses, not only waste time and energy, again, when lives are at stake. Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. So if they're looking for the drug tourism, they should be looking in like the fucking Castro and South of Market and shit. Because people be going to San Francisco to take drugs and go to the club. Yeah, for sure. I mean, back in the day, I used to, be, I used to go to San Francisco to get the drugs, but not necessarily to do the drugs. <laughs> um but yeah that's the nowadays that's that's where you I, this this is such a freaking nothing burger of an issue right but i wanted to call it out because i'm just sick i'm sick of this uh kind of you know narrative it's like this is the ultimate doom loop but it's like something out of like reefer madness or something with this guy dorsey and what does he get off calling it the city i guess the city of saint francis but you know really bro you're gonna go there you're gonna, you're gonna call it St. Francis. You're gonna completely. You're gonna go there. Okay. Um, yeah. This is a, this is a cop doing what cops do and copping. Um, yeah, he's going to track everyone. Put put everyone on a fucking list, right? And uh, you know, basically buying into the worst, most base, you know, lowest common denominator narratives, and using city dollars and city staff time to do a report to try to you know validate this bullshit theory that people are coming to San Francisco to become drug addicts because they have a permissive system that provides assist, you know, an undue amount of assistance to them um, and public assistance. So they can, they can get high and be, be addicts and then just, you know, basically be leeches off the system is what they're saying. Um, and as Friedenbach at the end, there's, that's not true, not helpful. And it certainly doesn't move anything in the right direction. That's just, Please, if you're in San Francisco, reject this guy next time he's on the ballot. Uh, Dorsey, it just what a sham. And it's so sad that he replaced Matt Haney, who would, whatever you think of him, is 10 times more <laughs> progressive and empathetic and thoughtful than this guy. And it's a far cry from that song about going to San Francisco to put some flowers in your hair and do acid, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's that's exactly what I did in college, right? Oh, I come home, like, let's go to San Francisco and get high or and walk around on mushrooms, you know, like, the, sure. But I wouldn't call that, like, drug tourism. Like, we would have gone to San Francisco and hung out and had got fun because it's a fun city to fucking hang out in. It doesn't matter if you're high or not. It's just a fun city and it's got a lot going. It's got a lot going on. So people go there, you know, and yes, they happen to do drugs while they're there, but this is just another way of tracking people and putting people on a list and for what purpose, you know, at the end, at the end of the day. Oh, we're going to move on when to, they, when we're gonna move on to get day. your shit together. Apparently there was a uh, town hall meeting in the TL in the Tenderloin and we're going to find out what happened in that town hall meeting. It looks pretty well attended. 
Okay, so is progress really being made? A town hall meeting in the Tenderloin tonight. San Francisco's chief of police, the DA, the sheriff, all on hand to answer questions. This comes a week after a mass shooting in that very neighborhood. The latest example of the kind of violence and crime plaguing the Tenderloin area. NBC Bears Gia Vang was there. This was the scene after a mass shooting in the Tenderloin one week ago. We can mostly see the wood or metal in their window. Are in the neighborhood facing questions from people who live and work there. We need to have more support at nighttime. It's a 24-hour job down here, and so it needs to be addressed as a 24-hour job. Because there have only been small changes, according to the St. Anthony Foundation, who hosted this town hall, and another one with the same panel about five months ago. That includes Police Chief Bill Scott, District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, and Sheriff Paul. Miyamoto. The journey to get here requires people to dodge feces, urine, needles, and drug dealers constantly, including our employees. This as a city recently, a really mean pigeons. has been SF's deadliest year for drug overdoses, mostly due to fentanyl, a drug being pushed right in the tenderloin. At the last meeting, Brooke Jenkins pointed the finger at lenient judges. Tonight, it was no different. We need them to disrupt this market disrupt this behavior by keeping these individuals in custody. Jenkins says they have filed 411 motions to detain drug dealers while their cases are open. Only about 40 have been granted. Until we resolve that at the courthouse and stop that revolving door, the police and I are going to continue to be hamsters on a wheel. There was a will to clean up the city when world leaders were in town for APEC. To that, Chief Bill Scott admits. Uh, we've lost some ground in some areas, that's for sure. But says they had resources because of the magnitude of the gathering. Right now, he says SFPD is shifting when they deploy as no arrests have been made in that mass shooting. The narcotics activity at night, we believe, it played a part in that. And, you know, that's where our, our focus is right now. The officers continuing to work with multiple mm. agencies, including federal prosecutors. Sheriff Paul Miyamoto says it makes a difference. The jail population has increased by 30 percent over the last few months, and inmates are asking for help. Hope for Miss Tina. I'm confident it can be changed, but everybody needs to stick together. Everybody needs to work together. In San Francisco, Gia Vang, NBC, Bay Area News. The jail population going up 30 percent is bad, actually. Yes, <laughs> in so many ways, but yes. Absolutely. And uh, what do you expect from, a, you know, the Pope, but shitting in the woods, uh, Brooke Jenkins, uh, definitely law enforcement, kind of a DA, just blames it on the courts, on lenient judges, right? So what's next? We're going to see a recall of some judges in San Francisco because of this, right? Uh, it is more and more of the same and more of the same rhetoric and, you know, oh, we had resources during... APEC to, you know, to clean up the streets, but we don't have those resources now. It's like, well, then you really have to start examining your values and your priorities then, if that's really the narrative you're going you're to push. But it sounds as though um, drug tourists were responsible for this mass shooting. So there, there is that. There's a connection there. Maybe Dorsey's on the right path after all. Yeah, this is, oh no, man. <clears throat> I just feel like this kind of stuff in cities, if you look at like, First of all, if you look at longer term statistics, it's going down, but it's also like going to ebb and flow just a little bit. Like, and that's sure. just the sort of the nature of a big city. Like things are going to swing one way and then swing the other way. I think people got like really used to like, basically people got really used to like the, what appeared to be the positives of gentrification, particularly in the mission. And then like, <clears throat> it actually doesn't, solve any of the problems as you can tell because like 
the the yeah it brushes brush, sorry go ahead. oh you do you, you like <clears throat> make the buildings look nicer and stuff and you you know get some nicer businesses in there and you know maybe for a short time people are like oh this the neighborhood got nicer but then like well no it's the same neighborhood you just slapped a coat of paint on it like Right, the the underlying problems still persist. Right, the the systemic inequities still exist, and that uh, inequities, sorry, they still exist, and that's uh, and that's really what's the cause of uh, a lot of uh, this stress. It's not so much like the, you know, like you said, the quality of the the buildings and the infrastructure. It's really the, the people and the human cost and how you know what we've done over you know, millennia, basically, to, to create this kind of a, a and a, you you force like. <clears throat> the first group of people out via gentrification because the rent goes up and maybe those people they find somewhere else to go but like you you do this a couple times right like the cycle continues more gentrification more higher rents and eventually like some number of those people just have nowhere to go and end up on the street and now you have like right. a gentrified neighborhood with uh, the you know people on the street just like there were before and it's like well maybe what you're doing here to uh, uh beautify the city is really uh just a fucking lipstick on a fucking pig. Although San Francisco's yeah. a mighty nice pig. It is. I mean, there's so, so like I said, there's so much um, that it does have going for it. Um, but yeah, you, you, you basically widen the gap, right? You widen the inequality, income inequality, whatever you want to call it. You've suddenly, you have people who can afford these exorbitantly high rents and, and uh, afford to stay and have a home and a roof over their head. And anyone who can afford to go somewhere else does, and then you're, what you're left with is folks who can't afford to do either, right? Um, and and they're the ones who are suffering the most. They're the ones on the street, and uh, they're the ones who are um, unfortunately getting hooked on things like fentanyl because frankly, they probably have PTSD from being on the street and being high on fentanyl is probably a better you know, better vibe for them um, than thinking about their situation. So um, yeah, I, I think we need more empathy in our policies, and if anything. Just to start with, I don't think that proposition or E or whatever we're going to talk about here in a second is the answer, but um, Mayor Bid certainly thinks that part nope. of it. <clears throat> Our next story is uh, about Prop E, and Prop E, I think, will, uh, if it passes, will actually tend to make matters worse long term. But let's see what's going on here. Mayor London Breed making a case for Prop E Thursday a ballot measure that would change police policy. It's about making sure that our police department, like any other police department around the country, can use 21st century technology, surveillance technology, drones, and using that as a tool. Prop E would also loosen restrictions on police pursuits. And this small business owner is all for it. On New Year's Eve, my store got broken into um, about 3 a.m. in the morning surveillance video catching the thieves in action. And they were close to catching them, but due to police policy, they weren't able to stop them and let the suspects get away. You know, when we're out there at three in the morning responding to something, we don't need to leaf through a textbook to figure out that we're doing our job correctly. The San Francisco Police Officers Association also making a push for Prop E, saying the police commission is piling on too much paperwork. We don't want to be sitting behind a computer filling out dozens and dozens of forms where everyone has to do it and it's redundant. I am firmly against Prop E. I believe 
that it's unnecessary, that it would make us less safe. Kevin Benedicto was a member of the San Francisco Police Commission, speaking to us as an individual and not on behalf of the commission. That it's a poor way to make public policy and that it sets a, a bad precedent for SFPD uh, oversight going forward. And when asked about privacy concerns, the mayor was quite clear. There's no privacy anymore. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Who, you know, everywhere oh. I go, somebody's pulling out a cell phone, recording me, taking pictures of me. And I know I'm a public figure. You're the mayor. I can't have a private You're moment. the fucking mayor. You know, heaven forbid I, I, I take my wig off when I go to get my hair done. <laughs> and she says when it comes to privacy, the voters That's pretty cool, actually. to decide in March. Do we want to be protected? Do we want public safety? Do we want accountability? Or do we want privacy? Tara Campbell. ABC 7 News. Wait, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, yeah, you, I don't, you, you, I don't you're, know where that went. You're a public official. Your job is to try to balance those two things. Yes, and you're the mayor, and people are taking pictures of you in public. I'm having a really hard time understanding why she doesn't know this is part of the job. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's been doing this for a little while. And... Like, she's uh, like, oh, our privacy's gone. Uh, you know, your people are taking pictures of me on their cell phone. Lady, you're, you're, you're giving a, a public speech uh, about something. Yeah, people are, like, there was going to be, pic even before the cell phone, there was going to be pictures of you doing out in the fucking newspaper. Yeah, there's news cameras there, too. So, um, and, and we're talking about, like, it's, you know, taking pictures of you when you call the press conference. Frankly, by the way, you had your little lines behind you, so you asked the camera to be there. Um. But you're then you're talking about privacy concerns when you're, you're going to use you know drones and other surveillance technology, right? And collect data and information on people and license plates and other things, and God knows where the hell that's stored, who's got access to it, right? Or how it could be used, or if it's safe, right? Um, because remember that, by the way, at the end of the day, we're not necessarily saying that you, government of San Francisco, is going to do anything nefarious with that data. It's are you going to keep that data safe so that other people can't? jacket and do something nefarious with it right that's also a major concern or but we also don't not even either. not even a data breach what if <clears throat> what if to raise money they just sell it right <laughs> right 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 oh we'll just sell the we'll sell uh this list to an email marketing firm or something like that right you know <clears throat> yeah the d data brokers out there they're like don't worry we anonymized it and i'm like oh right. I, you you think a data broker's job isn't to figure out who the fuck it is anyway Sure. Yeah, and then they sell it on and sell it on and they sell it on. Suddenly you're on all sorts of lists that you didn't sign up for. Um, and per, or even worse, your data your data is getting used to uh, commit fraud and other things. Yeah. So okay, but yeah, that's just like get someone taking a picture of the mayor when they're out in public getting their wig taken off. You know, when she started, she said, "Oh, there's no privacy anymore," and she like pulled out her cell phone and she was like, "Oh, you know, these companies are." Um, I thought she was going to say like all these companies are surveilling you, and I mean. It's almost impossible, but one could, in fact, just decide to leave their cell phone at home. Yes. True. Very much. Very so, much so. It's, it's unreasonable. Like, people don't do it. But, like, you are opting into a, a, a smartphone, even if it doesn't feel like an option. Uh, having a drone follow you around that's run by the F SFPD because they've mistakenly decided you're up to something nefarious. You didn't opt into that. Right. I just don't think that she should, I mean, she can make the, I, this is, it's an argument that could be made, I guess, you know, that, um, yeah, isn't it, would it be appropriate, like for my daughter, for example, like she's walking to school and 
random people are taking photos of her, right, and posting them on the internet and calling her. Like, yeah, okay, maybe that's in a, that's inappropriate, right? But again, you're there, so it's it's a really bad analogy for her to be drawing, um, especially at a press conference that she called for right, cameras right. to come and be pointed at her, right, and for all of her words to be recorded. It's just worry what where did that argument come from in the first place so i, it's I like, can't imagine that was rehearsed or a talking point it's like me going to play a dj event and telling everybody to stop staring at me <laughs> stop waiting for the drop why are, not coming <laughs> why do you keep looking at the councilman and myself on your screen <laughs> like <laughs> right so are we supposed to be saying something are we supposed to be commenting on these these clips or i figured we just you know just run them and let people chat, chat it up. We should put, put, put like pictures of weird, like purple foxes up instead of ourselves. Uh, a lot of people on YouTube do that and get big views. We could do that when we can then have just a, a scroll of the chat, right? Like just going by, like that's two unicorns just sort of sitting there like mute. And then the chat could take over. Uh, do you ever watch your own channel? There is a scroll of the chat on the screen. Oh, I know. I, I meant like more like in, I don't know, some sort of overlay. A fancy overlay of some sort. Oh yes, no, of course I do. I do. Yes, <laughs> I do occasion. I do occasionally tune in. I had a major problem with like Twitch makes you change your password or makes me change my password almost every time I log in, and they do not like anything that I put in there. Um, of the myriad. It's a little off topic, but use a password manager. It'll generate you an appropriate password. Oh, I've done that now. So it's it's yeah. That that's almost what it required. So I did that. Yes, no, I have that. Using a password. It's exciting. Anyway, it's let's move exciting. on to Down Ballot Watch. Down Ballot Watch is where we cover, like, mm. uh, this show's obviously called Down Ballot. This is the Down ballot part of Down Ballot, I suppose. We cover local government maybe. meetings and the goings-on, maybe the legal and civic goings-on of uh, local government and uh, who's getting fired, who's quitting, and uh, oftentimes California forever, but it did not make the docket this week. It turns out, we I've been waiting to watch, I've been waiting to see something like this for a while, actually, this next story. Been waiting to watch somebody just quit right in the middle of a county board of supervisors <laughs> or city council meeting. <laughs> and uh, well, it finally <clears throat> happened. Yeah, but it, it. I was hoping it was going to be out of Shasta, right? I was hoping somebody, one of them people at sure. the fucking the dais in Shasta, was just going to be like, you know what, y'all are crazy. Fuck this. But no, it's Berkeley. A Berkeley city That's council Berkeley. meeting <laughs> um, member resigns during the meeting. Let's see. I I imagine this probably won't be that spicy, but let's let's find out. For the second time in a month, a Berkeley City Council member has abruptly quit. And while she dropped the mic in the middle of a meeting this week, she isn't dropping out of the race for mayor. Andrea Nakano spoke with her and her opponent. Kate Harrison was first elected in 2017. She apologized to her constituents, but felt that this was something she had to do to spotlight issues at City Hall. This is the last place you'd expect a council person to call it quits. I wish you all the best, but I am resigning. Thank you. Right <laughs> of a public meeting, but that was the point. And at this point, I feel like the processes in City Hall are broken and the people on the council have no idea how bad it is. The Kate Harrison is now in her second term representing District 4, which covers the downtown area. While the announcement was sudden, the decision was not. Harrison said she'd been thinking about it for a while. It came in the middle of a discussion about spending $7 million to put up cameras at several intersections, a project she ultimately ended up opposing. So we have seen a steady but 
slow erosion of democracy. We got rid of the policy committees a few weeks ago. Why? That would have been a great place to talk about this proposal, which has some merits. I feel like people are trying to, to silence dissent in the city. Even her fellow council members like Sophie Hahn were caught by surprise. Hahn didn't get what Harrison exactly meant by broken processes. I have to tell you that it is a mystery to me. I do not fully understand, I don't even partially understand what she is referring to. Because Harrison is less than halfway through her second term, the city will now have to hold a special election to fill her spot. It also means Harrison's district will lose its representative. Not having uh, the full number of council members that the people of Berkeley expect um, the city to have means that on one or another issue, the votes might not be there or might fall differently. But by putting the spotlight on Berkeley city politics, Harrison's hope is that in the end, it's the people that will benefit the most. I wish you all the best, but I am resigning. Thank you. The people of Berkeley need to have a say in what's happening in their town. This town doesn't belong to politicians. It belongs to us, the people. Harrison says her resignation won't impact her race for mayor. She will face off against Councilmember Hahn in November. Rigel Robinson gave up his District 7 seat and his mayoral bid last month, saying city politics are just too toxic in Berkeley. There's a special election in April for his Southside district near Cal. Unclear if Harrison's District 4 will be added to that or done separately. I don't know. Well, seems like seems like if you're running for mayor, the the uh, the ads write themselves, right? Like, oh, why vote for my opponent? How do you know she's not just going to get quit when she gets pissed off about quit. something? <laughs> right. And uh, what do you know? They talk, ended up talking to her opponent, right? And she she was perplexed as to what was going on. So, um, yeah, that. Uh, I mean, yeah, she gets bad, um, and I I don't urge anyone who wants to get away from it, um, but. If it's it's kind of odd just to, to be stepping away, but also still running to be the head honcho. So I guess you know the get in, become the mayor, and you know crack some heads and in, in, in house, and you can do more as the executive. But I don't know how much power the mayor has to be honest with you to do stuff like that. So oh, she's gonna lose the same problems. She just lost her race. She could for also mayor. lose the race. Yeah, she just lost yeah, her race I mean, for like, mayor. I think. Yeah, yeah, she's a quitter, right? That's yeah, yeah. Where it's at. So. That's it. Um, but I hey, mean, I don't even know who the other person moment. is, and I don't know if I like the other person. But I tell you, that's the ad. And I just run that over and over that again. Go, you want your mayor to just quit because you had a bad day? <laughs> yeah, that was her right there. The one, the other council member that they interviewed um, on the on the street, uh, Han. So she'll that one race to watch. We'll have that on uh, down ballot bingo. Um, but anyway, yeah. So. Uh, resign at your own risk but it's it's great fodder for damn ballot it's great drama we love I it. like how she just so, resigned and then closed her fucking laptop <laughs> right just it's i'm like out that, it's like that yeah it's, it's like the new version of hanging up on somebody right right i've got my little my little uh camera flap here my it's privacy like a, flap like tila tequila famously said ah, don't ever call me again <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to follow us um, All right. Well, we got no. Mayor Ed 209 uh, out in San Francisco. Let's see what uh, Mayor Ed 209 is doing out in the city. Let's see. Well, this is for, for oh. first we're going to hear about um, something he's proposing um, oh, my as bad. far as uh, deal. We're going to hear about something he's proposing to quote unquote deal with the homeless problem. 
um, end quote. And then we're going to hear him pitching it, but not in San Jose, which is kind of weird. Anyway, first the program. Let's hear about it. It has to do with schools and the children. In the South Bay now, they spoke and the city listened. A proposal co-written by students went before the San Jose City Council today. The students want to create a buffer zone between schools and homeless encampments, which includes RVs. But the students also say they want it done in a humane way. Here's NBC's Damien Trujillo. These student activists say they do not want to criminalize homelessness, but they say walking to school in fear has to stop. Alfredo, please come on up and share. He stood side by side with the mayor of San Jose, along with city and education leaders. Alfredo Hernandez, a senior at KIPP San Jose Collegiate, and his classmates had the ear of the city. Hearing the cries of students who fear and, and, feel, and feel dread going to school. Reports of cat calls coming from RVs parked in front of KIPP and Independence High Schools. Needles found on school picnic tables. One student resorted to arming herself on her walk to school. That's how bad these conditions have gotten. And students need to resort to, to something that is going to make them feel safe. It shouldn't require mace or pepper spray to have to come to school. Today, the city responded. After crafting a memo with students, council members and the mayor will introduce a pilot program around three schools, KIPP, Shirakawa, and Challenger. It creates a 150-foot buffer zone between schools and tents or RVs for the unhoused. Our students should not suffer from government's failure to act with urgency in ending street homelessness. The ordinance would take effect in the spring and would also look to find solutions to homelessness, like housing and other services. That's important to the student activists and the school district. Eastside Union says 1,000 of its students suffer from some kind of housing insecurity. 1,000. Some of those encampments, some of those oversight vehicles are housing some of our families and to ensure that as we look to create this buffer zone that we're conscious and aware of the resources that those families are going to need. Gracias and thank you. For now, it's students working with grown-ups to address thorny issues. Alfredo says he plans to take that activism this fall to the campus of Harvard University. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. So not for nothing, 150 feet isn't very far. <laughs> like, it's not. That was the first thing I was that thought when I saw this uh, story. Heard about the the, the new policy. Um, first off, good off and good on Alfredo if he's going to Harvard. Fucking a, good on him. Hopefully he will search it out over there. Uh, yeah, 150 feet is like nothing. It's a couple how you know property lengths. It's uh you know the short walk. Right? Uh, 150 feet is um you know. 50, 50 yards 50 yards yeah it's like half a football field um so it, it really just ignores it, it, it this this is just kind of a window dressing policy right it, it's gonna clean up the area around the school and you can point to it and say oh look the the street behind the school no longer has a bunch of rvs parked on it right um it's similar to what we've seen with uh in, up in the mall with uh pe people putting just boulders out right i think we had a story on that they just put the, the business owners just put some random fake boulder out uh, on either so that these couldn't park there right um pretty much that's what's going to happen and they'll have a press conference and say look we cleaned up the school and the kids are safe right and they can walk to school safely but it ignores the fact that most kids are coming more than 150 feet to get to school if, especially if they're walking um and we're coming on their bikes or sometimes even being dropped off i know kids that get dropped off at the school right here way more than 150 feet from the school 
So you're still going to have to walk by it. You're still going to have to deal with it. And yeah, they have to see it. They have to deal with it. The kids have to deal with it. The parents have to deal with it. They all have to see it. And to marry to Anand's point, they have to see the failure of our leaders to do more um, and more prudently in time in a more timely fashion. And, you know, Mayor Etunan can blame whoever he wants in the past, but it's still on him, right? And like, put your head down, get some shit done, and stop holding press conferences. Like, stop, stop wasting my time. Like, go do shit. Don't talk about how you're going to do shit and put these window dressing policies out there. It's not going to solve anything, right? Well, like we've talked about the systemic problems. It's not going to solve any of that. Well, like we've we've always been saying, like <clears throat> the time for a long term solution is now. And that may come at the expense of what some people might think is a short-term solution. But the problem with the short-term mm-hmm. solution is that that solution ends and then you're right back where you fucking started. And Absolutely. so, 100%. so I don't know, I don't know what, I mean, I know what the long-term solution is. It's just fucking put people in housing by any fucking means you can. And I don't mean like some kind of transitional housing. I mean like an apartment. Yeah, not a box, not a not a, a you know a storage old storage bin, right? Storage container, um, or some sort of whatever they call it, modular unit, right? That we hear about so much about, like it's a pipe dream anyway. Um, yeah, build fucking actual housing and house people in it. Um, Yes. And make it and, make it and, illegal. Make it illegal for these fucking banks to just sit on these foreclosed properties for more than I don't know whatever. I you I wouldn't right. know the reasonable amount of time, but like there's some of these banks just sit on these foreclosed properties. There are these. I don't. I have to. I have not read them. I have been told about them that there are upwards of fifteen thousand housing units, fifteen thousand in San Jose alone, that are vacant, um, not owner occupied. Um, but vacant at this point, and also have been vacant for a certain amount of time, right? And are not or are not on the market. They're not out for rent. They're not up for sale. They're just sitting there. The owner's happy to pay the property tax just to watch the property value go up over right. time, right? Because they're probably paying less in property tax than they're getting in their value their valuation increase. So, yeah, I've heard I've heard tell that there's a there's a fifteen thousand units that alone would solve the problem more than twofold. So. Uh, yeah, more has to be done on a lot of levels and we just need less of this like um, victory lap taking and, and, and press conference holding and more just actually doing and, and the balls to do it on Tuesday afternoon at council not like on the NBC Bay Area or in San Francisco apparently which is where Mayor 209 decides to go to sell all his fancy new ideas oh not fantastic fantastic yeah, he rolled his sleeves at least he's not doing the press conference at San Jose anymore, though. That's good for the people of San Jose, I suppose. You're you're going to hate the audio of this event, by the way. I just want to warn you right off the bat. But uh, all right, let's, let's play go. The clip. Mayor of San Jose spent the evening in San Francisco addressing a number of issues that are impacting every city in the Bay Area. We're talking homelessness, housing, and even San Jose's perceived lack of coolness. All on the table for Matt Mahan tonight. NBC Barry's Terry McSweeney was there. In front of a full house at Manny's in the Mission District, San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan named a 300% increase in volunteerism as his number one accomplishment this past year. 57 community cleanups, 
We had over 3,700 residents come out. We took over half a million pounds of trash off the streets. Also, an issue close to San Francisco residents, homelessness, with Mahan touting his plan for more relatively affordable prefab modular homes. Not everyone's going to have a cheap full self-sufficiency, but getting people into their own room with a door that locks, with a window that opens and closes, with temperature control, in many cases with their own private bathroom, is transformative. And one topic that Mahan may not have been ready for. How do we make San Jose cool? Great <laughs> question. Yeah, how do you make San Jose cool? The mayor actually had an answer. We Again. invest as a community, we are big tech employers to invest in lifting up those arts and culture groups, create more public spaces while we're shutting down St. Pedro Street, and work on the transit connectivity to help people get into our downtown more easily. We got reaction from the crowd, including this man, who tells us he drove from San Jose just to interact with the mayor. I heard a lot of good uh, ideas of how uh, to increase housing affordability. I think that's kind of a catch-all issue. And I thought he came up with a really beautiful answer about how, if you believe something can be achieved, it can. Tonight's discussion was very civil and stayed on point. There's going to be another discussion on February 7th that might be slightly different. That's when Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao is the guest. In San Francisco, hmm, no. McSweeney, what, 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 that, what that might be about. So, Interesting. so when the person asked Matt Mahan about making San Jose cool, <clears throat> like all the bars are gone. Like all the music venues, they're gone. Yeah. It's like the van and like the Ritz and a Pierre's place, uh, Bezos or whatever. I forget what he calls it mm -hmm. now. Uh, I think it's Bezos. That's uh, the biggest, the biggest uh, Latin club in the Bay Area, actually, is in San Jose. Yeah, you notice no. Matt Mahan it's didn't huge. mention that we had, actually, we have the biggest uh, Latin dance club in the Bay Area. He, notice he didn't mention that? I wonder. Notice the the, the shots well, were of San an empty San Pedro Square actually, which was interesting. Well, that's not, well, not it's not cool to you know Matt Mahan and his his ilk right, from Alma Den. They prefer that San Pedro Square vibe, right? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, if I didn't uh, realize this was at Manny's until uh, we watched the clip, um, sounds like this is like an invite thing. So they probably invited him. They invited Sheng Tao. They probably invited London Breed. Who knows? Um, maybe it's like a mayor series. Either way. Um, he still accepted and went and did it and uh, looks like he was being interviewed by another tech bro in a white collared shirt with the sleeves rolled up and khakis. Um, so a little twinning action going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it makes him really cool. It's, you know, you got to start by fixing a lot of things um, to make San Jose cool. If it ever was cool, um, I don't know that it was. Uh, and there was a time when what we call sofa. There was a time when what we call sofa was cracking. There was the usual. There was um, uh, right. uh, the cat cactus club was a huge cactus club it was huge. Right. It was a huge deal. Plus, there was that uh, yes. Babylon Cafe was very cool. Um, mm -hmm. Like there was a bunch of stuff there, and it's just like it seems like, except for a couple legacy uh, businesses there, and I'm thinking of Pierre's spot again, and um, yeah. Um, actually just Pierre's spot actually because he's had that since it since it the Cactus Club shut down at that location with the Mal I mean, Malibu Beach or whatever it's called I forget what they call yeah, it yeah Miami Beach Club uh, Miami Beach Club and yeah, they opened Miami the they, they opened the back room again now and they got 18 and over permit so again like he I don't know why like he's like you know we have a 18 and over venue now in the back of this place and the 18 and over venue is going to be a more diverse like kinds of music Right. There's yeah. already a diverse crowd that hangs out at Miami Beach Club. Like I, I if I did nothing to do, sometimes I'd just I'd be like, well, the fucking 
downtown ain't cracking. I'll just go to Pierre's and I'd hang out because fucking Latin house music is just house music. And like, yeah. um, with, yeah, with, with a sound beat. Um, it's, it's, he's offering something that people want. He's giving people what they want, right? It's, and it's certainly a population that needs it, you know, and is, is here and ready to go. San Jose, right? Um, I, there's a lot of turnover going on in SOFA. There's a lot of turnover happening downtown in general. A lot of it has to do with landlords and rents and gentrification, a lot of these things. Um, also has to do with, I think, just, you know, finding ways to give the people what they want, right? And, and let people know that it's there. If you want people to come downtown, yeah, you have to like counter this narrative that it's it's some kind of you know piss ridden hole. Um, you have to do things to make sure that it, it's not. But then that doesn't mean you know just sweeping the, our homeless and unhoused neighbors under the rug. Um, but yeah, you need to encourage small business growth. You need to encourage uh, uh, you know foster preservation of things like sofa, right? When you had scenes like that, right? It's, you don't have to create it from scratch. You can actually preserve what's already there. And there still is something there. There is a there there. It just needs to be uh, uplifted and supported and not just steamrolled over for the next you know development because we need more tax revenue, right? Um, and I mean, I have some other not, opinions not, about what's wrong with the San Jose music scene as far as like, there's like a two dinosaurs actually that uh, hold the gate in a lot of ways. That uh, There is that. There is absolutely that happening as well. Um and that's it's like almost a separate thread, and they but they need spaces to perform, right? They need places to to you know bands need places to go, DJs need places to to spin. So uh, there's also that issue lingering around too. That space is just uh, way too costly in general, right? For for clubs as well as people. Um, so and you're forcing again, you're forcing that gap to widen, right? Where you have the the really swanky whatever high end. Uh, Michelin restaurant, right, or the, the bar, the fancy bar with the craft cocktails, they can afford to hang on because they're offering some some kind of niche thing, and they've you know they've got a great client base, and they're offering the, the fancy thing, and they can afford to hang on. They can also afford to pay more and to to cover any any losses. And then anyone who can afford to move out and move their business somewhere else, or just wants to get out of the business or whatever they were doing because it wasn't profitable or wasn't helping, they do. Um, and then you just have everyone left who just has nothing right <laughs> right and the other um, end of the spectrum the entire surface. other end of the spectrum is the van the caravan and the thing about that is that it's got a loyal clientele but correct that loyal clientele starting to age out aren't aren't we oh absolutely i mean i i could count the number of times i've been to the van in the past five years on one hand right like oh so i used to go like uh, almost every weekend the other yeah, thing yeah. you could have mentioned I, I used to play there every weekend my, my band used to play there almost every month you know so the other, the other thing you could have mentioned that you venue. didn't you didn't mention post street post street's pretty cool yeah you got I 50, think so. I, 55 I, south to splash that that area is pretty cool to fucking hang out in and that strip of you know even though it is getting um it's been gentrified to some extent that strip of first street actually that strip of first street is of south first street is not not too shy it's, it's coming places um, but yeah, there were opportunities to have like a, you know, not that whatever you, whatever anyone wants to think about it, there was going to be a house of blues on first street, right? There were, there were opportunities to have, uh, more investment in downtown and it's just been prohibitive. It just makes it prohibitive, um, by, uh, slapping too much bureaucracy on it or not, not allowing for more. And, uh, we do that because we're stuck in this inferiority loop, um, so from being the you know the valley of hearts delight and there's just a lot of, like you said generational um folks out there who still believe in that and they're, they're the one who 
say, oh, I you know, moved to Willow Glen or this neighborhood 50 years ago, and it's not what it used to be. And like, yeah, it's 50 years ago. <laughs> but Willow but Glen is more... On, and they're the ones in charge, and they're the ones in charge, you know? But Willow Glen's more cracking than downtown. Sure, like downtown Lincoln, for sure. It's, it's yeah. a, Campbell but, Avenue. But I mean, it's... Campbell Avenue is more yeah. cracking than downtown San Jose. Like, the, there's, a, the, there's a major problem there. I, you know, <clears throat> a couple people I know said that they were trying to, you know, just kind of be, like, poking around about um, maybe opening some kind of venue, some people associated with Bike Party. And they even had, like, some uh, backing from, potential backing from uh, the Knight Foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just saying that the, the liquor license wasn't the problem. It was the amplified sound permit. Yeah, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of zoning regulations and permits have to they go into having even a music venue um and again it comes back to this provincial attitude where it's like yeah so we lincoln's lincoln uh is is lincoln avenue in the one is cracking until 9 p.m you go there nine once it's 9 p.m doesn't matter if it's saturday night or it's tuesday night it's dead it's done it, they roll up the carpet and the sidewalks because the people who live right behind lincoln won't tolerate you know, any sort of whatever cracking after 9 p.m. or really even after 8 p.m. Um, Campbell is a little bit of a different animal because it's, it does have some buff, a little bit of a buffer zone. But um, yeah, it's impressive that it's been able to develop that way, given that there's, you know, residences surrounding oh, it. The, the difference is homes. the people who live in downtown Campbell go out in downtown Campbell. Yeah, right. Including the single family residences like just south of downtown, because um, they're the ones that would complain. They're the older neighborhoods with the older guard, like Campbell folks live in there. Um, but they're into it and they, they recognize that it's part of a vibrant city. Um, well, I mean, light nice rail downtown. created that. That, that wasn't like that before the yeah. light rail. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And they, but, and they were, you know, it, it came through because residents, no one, one rose up and said, no, we don't want light rail. We don't want people coming to our, you know, well, that was our Gatos that said that. Yeah, correct. That, that, that correct. was exactly. originally the Vasona line. By the way, downtown Los Gatos sucks. Light rail would have probably fixed <laughs> fucking downtown. Fuck downtown Los Gatos. You can get at least three types of artist and gel- artisanal gelato in downtown Los Gatos. So come on, knock it. I mean, they got that one. They got that one dance club, but they. Uh, yeah. They Mountain Charlie's gone. Uh, what was it? What was it called? I forget. It was. Uh, it was this one place they wanted me. To, they offered, and this is a little off topic, but we have a, we have a couple minutes here because we only got one story it's, left. They offered to, oh it was Charlie's. They offered to have I'm me Charlie's, play there. Yeah. But then they wanted me to somehow prove to them that I was gonna bring that I personally would bring out hundred and fifty people to just be on the bill at an event there. And I just told them I had no way to prove to them that that would happen, but that I thought the people would dance while I was playing if the place was full. And that that's right. whatever. Right. They, I, they all have to come in, like, say, I came to be producer Dave. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they, were a, they were a producer Dave t shirt. Yeah, I don't, I don't that's know how they that. count them. I don't know how that works. So we we had 200 people in the room, producer Dave, and unfortunately, only 149 of them said they were here to see you. So we can't give you your full payment tonight. We're sorry about that. But conversely, like, right behind Pino's was that, is that um, car dealership. And during one of the street parties, uh, we were, it was like a, the night before the street party, and the, the, um, owner of that place farhad is like hey do you guys want to come spin some music in my fucking car dealerships and i'm like aren't you worried about people coming in and dancing around like this 80 year old mercedes and he's like not not really so much no actually he's like i was like do you have a permit for this he's like 
Not really so much, but he's like, if we just hook up some speakers and stuff, like nobody's going to come bust us. And we went in there, no it was totally fun. When there was totally fun, even like at the end of the end, at the end of the day, he like gave us both like a two hundred dollar gift certificate to Pino's restaurant, and it's not like we made we didn't sell any cars for him, right? Sure. <laughs> it's just like yeah, a yeah. different ethos, yeah. just a different, different, different way of way of downtowning. And um, sure. I think I think downtown San Jose could learn a lot from uh, downtown Sunnyvale and downtown Campbell. I think they could learn different, different messages, but a lot from those. So we're going to move on to our last story and we're going to go out to Vegas, but this is a very Bay area story because, um, the LA, uh, the Las Vegas, uh, A's ballpark, uh, faces a lawsuit. So correct. Correct. They're going to be using a, they've asked for and have been granted by the legislature, at least a whole bunch of public money to build this multi-billion dollar monstrosity in the middle of the, the strip. Uh, for the A to play in. Well, it's a beautiful you know, rendering, but anyway. Uh, so they've been they've committed a lot of public dollars, but now uh, apparently some public employees and teachers, favorite, uh, have risen up and said, no, 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 Mr. Nevada government or Mrs. Nevada government, you cannot spend my tax dollars or my, my pension dollars on this, this billionaire boondoggle. So we're going to hear more from NBC. Well, right now we want to talk to you about a new obstacle for Oakland A's. This is in their quest to build a new ballpark in Las Vegas. Now, Nevada teachers, they are taking new legal action. This is a step. They're trying to shut down the funding. We knew they were frustrated. Today in the base, Chris Sanchez joins us with a closer look at what this may mean actually for the A's. You know, it's interesting timing is just as Las Vegas is rolling out the welcome map for the San Francisco 49ers, Nevada teachers want to roll up the welcome map for the Oakland A's and shut down the stadium you see here. Nevada lawmakers agreed to a $380 million funding package toward a baseball stadium on the Las Vegas Strip. But the teachers union says that this money should be going toward education and other public needs. The A's are not named in the lawsuit, which alleges that the bill to help fund the stadium was not passed on constitutional grounds and that the state is taking on debt that should land with the county that the stadium should be is in would be in which is Clark County uh, at the same time the teachers are trying to put the stadium funding bill to a public vote rather than allow lawmakers to negotiate this deal. That effort is still underway. It's not clear if that is going to pan out. This, of course, could affect the timeline for the A's. They want to be ready to play ball in 2028. So anytime uh, we have something like this come up, it could change that timeline. This might not be the last either. It may not. And it's interesting timing, though, because we have so many people that are going to be in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I mean, it is a local issue, but... Right. They want their voices Mm heard. Thank you. It is a local issue. Man, I can't. I fucking, for the good people of the city of Oakland, even though there's a lot of A's fans there, for the people of the city of Oakland, I, I them moving out can't, can't uh, happen any faster, honestly. That stadium is dilapidated. It needs to be, uh, needs to be either retrofitted in an incredibly expensive way or just demolished and turned into something else. The plan to put it on the port was stupid because, like, the, one of the biggest ports in the country was there and all that traffic would really suck for the uh, truck drivers actually who are uh, delivering stuff and taking stuff from the port so <clears throat> and vegas is a you know whatever put put all the fucking sports teams in vegas fuck it put the olympics there too <laughs> they, have, they got the room man they can just keep building out now 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 it's in the fucking desert anyway so 
I'll um, even, yeah, I, good I'm even and, fine with us sending them some fucking water if we can send the 49ers there too, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'll take them at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, good riddance, honestly, on this. I, I really hope that they get delayed and they, they have to, you know, it costs them tons of money to, to deal with this hassle um, and they don't get to open on time and their whole plan gets fucking foiled. Not that they have to come back to Oakland, God forbid, because you're right. Better people have been better off. The people have been better off without the fucking Raiders and the and the Warriors. And frankly, any city is probably better off without their pro sports teams after a while, unless it's like the you know the Lakers or the the freaking uh, the Cowboys or something where they're an institution and they're going to make like their the Yankees, money. And they, yeah, you know, I'd be willing yeah, to bet they, the the Yankees are generally a a boom to the city of New neighbors. York. Yeah, they're, they're certain, I think they're certainly, but, and it's about, but about a brand at that point, right? It's like it's the New York brand, right? You see in the NY out there, it's usually the Yankees NY, right? It's not like something uh, that the city came up with. So unless it's that kind of a situation, right? You're you're just not, um, your, your sports team is not really helping you out in the long run. Um, and they're not interested in it either. You know, look at the, uh, the my team, the Giants over across the Bay in San Francisco, those owners are not like the most magnanimous, you know, altruistic people at all. They bought up a bunch of land around where they built a ballpark and now they're, you know, developing it and making shit tons of money, um, not just on baseball, but on their little land development scheme, right? Well, they happen to own a baseball team in a baseball stadium, um, but, you know, they're, they're making tons of money off of other things and other endeavors. They don't really care about the team or the city or the history or that my dad was a Giants fan and his dad was a Giants fan and, you know, we all got to see Willie Mays play baseball. They, they don't get, care about all that shit. Um, we're the only ones that care and we're the ones that fork up the money. <laughs> so really, it's us, it's us that have to look in the mirror fans and say, like, are we willing to keep spending money and putting money into these people's pockets? Or are we just going to go out and if you want to watch sports, go watch some high school sports or Little League and see real pattern again and not a bunch of millionaires running around chasing balls. Also, for fuck's sake, pay for your own goddamn stadium. That also would be a good idea. Um, in, in that regard, the Giants are are a little bit different in this. They did pay for most of their stadium. There were, of course, some infrastructure things that had to happen at the city level, but they did build their stadium themselves. So I will give them credit for that. Um, but they also did it on the backs of their fans, right? They Nowadays, the new model is you build the stadium and then you charge a license fee for the seat you don't get sell just sell the season tickets you sell the season ticket holder a license to get the season tickets every year right so they pay some large amount of money up front and then they get access to those seats if they want them seats as a service we, seats as a service we would call it yeah exactly <laughs> uh and a lot of people did forked up like ten thousand dollars for the license for their seat right and all that pool together helped fund you know, portions of these stadiums. Um, so yeah, they're doing it on the backs of the fans, no matter how they do it. Um, taxpayer money or, you know, just, uh, their, their, all their, whatever, uh, uh, extraneous dollars. Sorry. I'm losing it. Surplus dollars. I'm losing my English. All right. Losing my language. <clears throat> well, I'm going to close out this week. Your connection has been a little bit choppy, so that's fine. Go for it. All right, this has been Down Ballot. Uh, podcast listeners, bye. Uh, live viewers, uh, stick around. We're going to do public comment. This is Audible Smoke. This song is called Locals. And um, yeah, I'll be back for public comment. We, we, got, we got some weird shit this, this, this time, actually. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
time to get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing queen Now get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we want to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and Enjoy the band, enjoy that band Last up on the bill for the show tonight It's down and dirty and five so we're headed outside To spark up another joint now who's got my light A stoner E of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think logically Stoner E take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rocky the roller, you're the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band So sit back and enjoy the band Okay.